You know you've got to sing along. But don't you know This is the Cabinets HR Podcast, hosted by Jason Cabinets. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners, founders, and people in tech startups in HR. If you fall into one of these categories or are just curious about them, then this is the podcast for you. You will gain great insights from these great conversations. The Cabinets HR Podcast is brought to you by Cabinets HR. At Cabinets HR, we deliver HR to companies with 49 or fewer people by automating the HR process. We believe that you don't need a full-time HR person to receive full-time HR expertise. Hello, and welcome to the Cabinets HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cabinets. Our guest today is David Ledgerwood. Ledge, are you ready to be great today? Yes, sir. I'm ready. Ledge is a many-time founder with 20 years of experience in high-tech business and 10 years of direct sales experience. He's a closer and he's helped multiple companies break the $1 million sales mark and has personally closed more than $34 million of business for his employers, partners, and clients. Ledge co-founded Ad10 with the express purpose of bringing senior sales expertise to B2B technology and services companies who are look, looking to leap from founder-led sales into 10 times the revenue growth. Les, thank you for being here today. I really appreciate it. It's so good to be here, man. Thank you for the invitation. So before we get started on the serious stuff, is there a background story on why you go by Ledge? You know, it's just, it's like a multi-generational historical family nickname. So uh, my, my dad, my uncles, brother, sister, you know, everybody picks it up. So we all just uh, kind of rolls it. My mom even had the ledge license plate in uh, New Jersey. So, <laughs> so, so we all call each other all in the same room. So, oh, you don't, I can't repeat that on the air. So, <laughs> yeah, we got, we got nicknames all over the place, but no, it's fun, man. You know, it, and it just, there's a lot of Davids and when I moved, uh, when I moved from the Northeast to, to Nashville, I just started going by ledge professionally as well comes out of sports, you know, high school and stuff. Ledge, back on December 16th, you wrote an article on LinkedIn that was titled, You Need Sales, Not a VP. Can you kind of explain that concept or what you're talking about? No, I appreciate that, man. You know, doing your homework. Yeah. So when we started Ad10, you know, it's based on this playbook of sort of like people want to, you know, 10x their sales. And I thought, you know, wow, that's kind of played out, you know, this whole 10x idea. But, you know, so we called it Ad One Zero, And I, I just came up with this tagline because I think this concept is so right on that, you know, people, no one, founders, nobody, you know, in my mind wakes up in the middle of the night staring at the ceiling and says, like, I really need a VP of sales. You know, what they say is I need more sales. I don't need a VP of sales. You know, they just think that that's the, the self-imposed you know, it's like going to the doctor, right? I got a problem. I want more money, doc. What do I do? Oh, I'm going to prescribe you a, a VP of sales. You know, I, that's not the only approach. And when we looked at, you know, what really worked, there is this playbook that we had used myself and my team, you know, over and over again at multiple startups, you know, as, as clients of ours and uh, people where I worked, you know, I was one, two or three, I sort of person at the table, and I did that. And as we said, well, I think this works, you know, even on a, a kind of a partial basis. And there are a lot of businesses we focus on technology services related businesses that 
you know, the founder has taken it as far as he or she can. And, and that founding team really did a great job. And they're in the, you know, the nice six figures of sales uh, annually. And they really want to maybe get out of the sales game or just grow their business, you know, get to that like middle of the seven figures kind of range. Um, and yet they don't have the cash flow right there to get out of sales because you have to hire, like, you're going to need a couple hundred grand fully loaded, you know, per year to hire this, you know, VP of salesperson that you're going to dump all the sales on. And that may, might not even be the right approach. So there's that space between founder led sales and then, Hey, I actually have, you know, X million dollars of annual sales. It makes a whole lot of sense for me to really build an internal sales division. We operate in that space and we can provide a full sales division for you and do all those closes, you know, right. That lead comes in and we take over and we do all those closes and get those, the business for you at a very high rate of return. Well, now you're generating cash and you can grow the business. And you can do more to demand gen and it's a self-fulfilling you know, mechanism. So I came up with that tagline because I think people don't need that VP of sales right there. They need sales. <laughs> That's what you need. Like, let's close more revenue. Forget about everything else. And I'm just like hyper revenue focused. And that's how the whole system is built. You know, just because someone was like, you know, VP of sales of a Fortune 500 company does not mean they're going to be successful at your startup, right? I mean, it's two different, totally different animals, isn't it? It is very much, yeah, different. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, huge respect. I have worked in the enterprise and big companies and you were like, anybody who does their, their thing is, is great at that. Thing. But yeah, you know, you get a lot of times where it's like a small company, it's scrappy. I mean, we'll walk into companies all the time where there, there's no marketing, there's no sales collateral, you know, there's nothing that you need. We have to do all that stuff. And if you aren't scrappy and on point and just doing it, like, let's just execute. I mean, that's what it's about. Um, I see a lot of times where people will get hired and they have the expectation that I'm going to be handed the collateral. I'm going to be handed the people who could administer my contracts or, you know, do the operations work or have the administrative support. And it's just like none of that exists, right. In startup land. And you, you know, right. You know, it's like, Hey, you don't call it when your you know, computer breaks, you fix it, right. You Google it, you figure it out. Well, it's the same thing in sales. Like I don't get to call anybody. We build that thing from the ground up and, and that's important. You know, it, it adds, it's just like a ton of value, like to, you know, just execute, you know, let's get more sales that way. There's a saying that says sales cures all, but is that really, <laughs> a, is that really a true statement? Cause like if you, if you're, if your product is horrible, you have bad customer service, is sales going to really cure all that? Uh, you won't get sales if you have those problems, you know? So yeah, I mean, so realistically speaking, um, I, I suppose that you could say that, in fact, you know, sales cures all, um, which is just to say, if I have more money in my business, I can fix all my problems. But can you actually, you know, do you have a thing that you can sell if you have those problems? You know, so don't dilute yourself into thinking, you know, everything's going to get better if I get more sales. I mean, that's true. But if you don't have the baseline good stuff, you know, like to demand and and product and services and you know, just the desire to actually buy what you sell, right? You know, like nobody, I can't do you any favors there too. You know, if I, if we don't have people on the phone to close on a thing that they actually want, no, it's not going to help. But uh, presuming that you have good service, you have good product, you 
have testimonials, you know, you know, you have a thing that you want to scale up. You know, this is a good solution for you. Lex, what do you look for when you're hiring salespeople? I, I have a theory and this is, this is what we bring to the table. You know, when we are hired, um, that it's at least at this, this area that we work, you need senior people who have a lot of business experience and, you know, sort of, I'll call them senior reps. You know, they've been around like the, like me, right. 20 years of experience. Like I can talk about business. I can solution sell to people, you know, on the phone, I'll understand what you've been through, you know, as a founder, or I can relate, I can read your LinkedIn. Uh, those are the things that, that I would look for. Now there are really good reasons down the line as you build a playbook, as you grow, you scale, maybe you want to hire some greener, you know, I'm going to hesitate to say younger, I'll say greener people who can be your SDRs, right? Your sales development reps, they can do your outbound, they can follow the playbook, they're hungry, they want to learn. That's a good thing. But it happens later, right? These are the people that, that can take the playbook, get the coaching that a really good sales leader can provide and can grok it and get, because they're smart, you know, that um, a lot of people make the mistake of right away saying, well, I cannot afford a senior talent salesperson. Thus, I must go and hire uh, somebody straight out of college who, you know, is just hungry and they want to go sell. They might have the, the basic raw, you know, intelligence and ability to do that. Um, but maybe that's not the right solution. You know, I used to deal a lot with software developers and, and people would say, well, I can only afford a junior developer. I said, well, you know, maybe, but you can afford a fractional senior, really excellent developer for less the time, but their productivity is so much vastly higher. And this remote universe, you know, that we live in now, people should be thinking more and more about fractional excellence instead of buying, you know, 40 hours of a thing that I don't really want per week, you know? And I think that's, that's how we think about hiring for our, our standpoint, you know, anybody can learn how to sell. I think um, it takes maybe a little, my own style is like a little bit of, of swagger with it. You know, you don't want to do the used car salesman kind of, you know, thing, but you want to be likable. And I believe that people buy from people that they like people buy from people who can conversate and talk about stuff and, and just care, you know, ask about your kids or, you know, whatever it is, remember things, uh, build systems and keep good records. You know, there's just a lot of stuff that, that I would look for. Um, but you, you know, not that smarty kind of, you know, gross, uh, used car salesman, um, but I also bristle at this idea that you can, you know, don't be too salesy. You know, like I, if I'm going to get on the phone with you, like I will make you an offer and I want to try to get you to buy it. And that is how you close things. Um, don't be afraid of doing that. You know, that, that's really important. Liz, you can bring a good point. I think you have to, you know, care about the, uh, about the, about the client, right? You either care as a person at a very minimum care about solving the problem they have, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's so right. You know, I just like, why did you come here? And we'll ask that question, you know, and no matter who we're representing, like why, why us and why now? Why are, why are you here? What, what collection of things, feelings, um, instances in your business happened that you wanted to come right now? Like that it maybe is the right time to buy. 
maybe it's not the right find to buy and you're just researching. That's cool. You know, let's stay in touch, right? Like all I want to do is give you the opportunity to know that you're talking to the best people in the business for this thing when you're ready to buy it. Liz, in, your, in the past, from your perspective, why do most salespeople fail? Is it because they're not doing something right? Or is it because the company they work for is not setting up for success? For example, the marketing king gives like 20 horrible leads and they fail because of that. Or what do you, what has been your, your perspective on that in the past? I don't know if sales people fail. I think sales programs fail. So maybe lean, in my opinion, it might lean a little more in the direction of uh, the second one that, that you said. It's a system, right? You know, people like sales doesn't exist on an island. We need excellent products and services. We need contact with customer support. We need contact with the people that are actually operating and delivering the, delivering the product. We need to talk to the finance people. You know, it's, it's the full system of the company. And yeah, marketing, of course it matters. Like demand gen and lead gen bring us people that are at least relatively informed upon what it is that we do. If you bring in a bunch of leads and they don't have a clue why they're there, you know, that's what it's like, oh, this outbound, you know, well, I'll just make you appointments. Well, I don't want an appointment with somebody that doesn't want to buy and isn't informed. And so think of it holistically, right? Like it's an impossible ask to go to someone and say, fix my company by selling more. Okay. What's the support system that's going to bring that together? Um, a lot of companies, this, this I know to be true that companies deeply undervalue what we call sales ops. And that is the fact that someone like me needs to be on a call just like this all the time with someone who wants to buy. And they, I firmly believe, we firmly believe they ought not to be doing anything else. They don't do contracts. They don't do prepare proposals, you know, sending emails, like any of these things, maximize the time that those people are on the phone, which means you need administrative support. And that might be a virtual assistant. It might be somebody who's familiar with, you know, pushing paper and making processes work. That's how we make it affordable to have really senior people work the calls such that they don't have to do the things that frankly, they're really bad at. Good salespeople tend to be really bad at paperwork and processes and tracking stuff and, you know, make your CRM do the work for you. That's important. There's a lot of, you know, IT and information components to sales, but um, it's separation of concerns. You know, when you try to get your VP of sales or whoever it is doing your sales stuff to do all those other things, guess what they're not doing? They are not on the call, video call, sales call, whatever, closing deals. That's what you need. You know, just don't confuse the fact like it doesn't make any sense to ask one person to do a thing that isn't their strength. And salespeople, that's not their strength. Legs, is there a way to train people to, to become comfortable with hearing no over and over and over again? Repetition, man. You know, uh, I had a sales mentor years ago when I was very bad at it and I was just learning and I was the CEO that wasn't making any sales. And he said, the ledge. You got to eat nose for breakfast. Nice sales draw. I love this guy. You know, and he, he brought me a lot of antidotes, but yeah, that's it. Like I got to get up in the morning and I want to eat nose for breakfast, you know, <laughs> because every no is one step closer to the yes. Now that's a, that's a real outbound driven type of methodology. Like maybe, you know, what might be your classic cold calling or, you know, any of these things. Uh, I would, I would tend to, to lean more in the direction of like a more modern type of, lead gen, which is a lot of really high quality touches 
So they maybe don't have to say no. They're actually just going to be aware of you and ignore you for for a little while. But you can you can track a lot of that stuff with email and social and, and things like that. But yeah, I mean, just be cool to people, right? And and they're going to say, hey, like, I want you to say no to me as quickly as possible. You know what the worst answer is when I'm selling? Maybe. Because a maybe is just a really extended no that wastes my time. Don't be afraid to say no. So I would actually encourage you, like when you talk to salespeople, give them a direct no. Because the good ones like me, I will bug you incessantly. Nice way. I will be very polite. But I will hunt you until you say no. You know, that's what makes a good salesperson, a hunter. You know, I want you to say no or I want you to say yes and I want it quickly. But if you let people say maybe to you, you're going to do a lot of work nurturing your pipeline that's total garbage. Lich, so speaking of follow-up, when, of course, you want to follow-up, 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 when should you stop? Is there, is there a certain number? You go like 50 times, 70 times, and you just keep on going until you get a no or a yes? Um, no, we let, I, I would advise let people drop off. So I'll tell you, I don't know, maybe a templated type of approach that that we would use, and this is what we build for companies. You know, they don't, they don't have this when we walk in, but um, you know, leads somehow come to your website, right? They fill out your form or they book a call or whatever. That's where, you know, so my world picks up. That's where the marketing funnel stops and the sales funnel begins. And the first thing we're going to do there is we're going to construct a really nice pre-call. Like we know you're going to do a call with me on Tuesday because you booked it, right? That's how we try to do it. And we'll do a really nice three email pre-call sequence to prepare you. Let's tell you things that you're going to ask anyway. Frequently asked questions. Here's a couple little testimonials. Here's the three most important things you should be thinking of prior to our call. Maybe they open it, maybe they don't. But at least it's in their head. So we do that. Then we do the call. We take really good notes. We uh, put that all in your CRM as customer relationship management uh, software, right? You got to have that. You can't be tracking this stuff in a spreadsheet. So help you implement that. Um, and the reason you implement that is because you do all these drip sequences for you. you know? So all these touch points are personalized, but they're automated. And so we can get maximum output from the, the operations person. Um, and then after the call, like there's a, a very discerning sequence of we drop things to the next stage. It's not unlike tracking your tasks properly. It's like a Kanban board. You know, so you would maybe Trello or something. If you've ever seen or in Sana, you can do board mode. That's what we're doing with deals. And we're dropping them through and we do the same actions for every single one. And we refine those actions, right? So after a call, there's going to be maybe a proposal or here's the additional information you asked for, whatever it is. It depends on you know, what the service is. And then after that, we start another sequence where we drip it out three days later. Hey, Jason, you know, it's been a few days. We sent you that proposal that you asked for and included the information that you wanted to know. I wanted to check for your feedback. Maybe you open it, maybe you don't, you know, and then two days after that, there's another one. And then I don't know, three days. And then, so there's five of those emails. Then we go, okay, we've reached a stage where if you didn't do anything by that point, like my, my point is that I'm going to send you enough emails to at least have you write me back and say yes or no. Maybe you still didn't. Then we, then we drop you in a more distanced campaign where it would say, I'll go back to more informational style things. Just want to make sure you knew we were still here. You know, it looks like this project fell off the, the things, you know, off your roadmap. It's not important right now. No problem. 
But all these things are designed and automated such that when you reply, it turns off the other ones and I can drop you into a stage that is less annoying to you. So actually, when people keep, and I can tell you most things are like this, this is a tip. If you want salespeople to leave you alone, just reply to one of the emails because it'll turn off all the follow-ups. But when you ignore us, we have machines that will keep emailing you. (laughs) So it's actually a good thing. It's designed to make you say yes or no or how about later? Um, and if how about later is, is a maybe, that's fine, but know that we will email you later. So it'd be better to say, no, I moved on to another vendor or no, we're not doing this project anymore. And then you're probably still going to get into a marketing drip where quarterly or something, you're going to get a nice email reminding you that such and such thing probably still exists in your business. Lex, so for you, do you believe in commission, salary, or a combination of both for salespeople? I, I believe in a combination. Yeah. Uh, those of us who are closer hunters are very motivated by trying to hit numbers. So, yeah, I would, I would not, um, you know, you should incentivize people in a combination of ways, right? So, like, let's call it fixed and variable comp. You know, everybody needs the space in their life to get a salary of some sort that lets me not worry about paying my bills. And what you don't want me to do is like, you want me to be on point, right? Like, so especially with salespeople, right? Like we're on stage every call, just like this. Like I need to be on point. All I need to be thinking about is that deal and that call. Well, every little thing that's going on in the back of my head, you know, sort of getting me to think about, did I pay the rent? Oh, geez, am I going to make my number this much? You don't want that because if I'm on a call with urgency, um, prospects can smell urgency and it'll like drive them away. So what can you do from a compensation standpoint to make your salespeople not feel desperate on the phone? Well, one of them is cover their basic needs and that's your base salary. Now, after that, you want to incentivize your salespeople to get out there and kill more stuff because I get a small percentage every time they get a kill and a good salesperson is a hunter. Like they want to get that. So I, I'm actually not even a fan of sales goals. You know, I, I think incentivize people enough so that they want to drive your revenue up, 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 up because they keep getting more money. Like that's the best thing that could ever happen for you is to keep getting more sales. A lot of people get hung up in like capping their commissions and things like that. And then, well, as soon as you cap my commission, is this like the opposite of your tax rate, right? You charge me more and more marginal tax rate. What happens? By the time I get up to the point where you're taking 90% of my income, I have no incentive to work anymore. (laughs) It's the same thing with sales commission. Like you're going to cap it, then I'm going to hit my goal and I'm going to (laughs) stop. Like, why would I do additional work? And that's just basic human motivation, right? But if you don't cap it, and I'm incentivized to go, I'm going to go make a million dollars this quarter. Well, great. That means that you made 10 million. You know, life could be worse, right? <laughs> so that's the way to think about it, right? A rising tide lifts all boats. Take really good care of your good people. And that, that works for any job, right? Share the riches. Share the, I'm the first one that will go to any CEO and say, you know, we got that additional referral because your ops people and your project managers And those people who take care of your customers, they were awesome. And I was able to sell them. So take some of this new money that we brought you and make sure you're destroying it to that team. 
because that that's your product, right? Your people, your culture, like all those things. Like that's the intangible stuff. Ever there's ten companies that do what you do. There's not ten companies that have your amazing team, and it always comes down to people. Like that's why someone who wants to buy, they like the people that they deal with. Like I have a good friend here in the Seattle's come here. She does like business development representative. And when mm-hmm. she works at, they only give a commission for the first year. And the company goes the second, third year, she gets no commission. But she was still responsible for keeping them on board. And like this, and I was like, the sales trying to wonder why I had all this like turn and we, like, people leaving. Like there's no center for your salespeople and they just didn't get it. Right. It's like, what are you doing? I know people face that sort of thing. So the way that I would address that issue is that I would separate what I would call account management from that initial sale. So let's say, you know, I'm your frontline sales and you want me to close those deals um, with a mind to, you know, as much revenue as possible. It's true. Like you would kind of say, well, you know, you didn't work on year two. You didn't work on year three. Like you just keep getting money from it you could do it that way. Um, I mean, I would say keep paying, but you know, it's, if you make somebody responsible to keep closing additional business and take care of that relationship, you should definitely keep paying them. Um, alternatively separate out the account management, make a nice clean Passover where somebody else is getting ready to take care of that relationship and keep your closers, you know, sort of at the uh, bottom of that funnel, but not worried about after, after it's a client, you know, I don't, I don't care anymore. I know I'm going to get paid for the first year on that retainer or whatever it is. Uh, but you need to be thoughtful about this stuff. Like, why would you, I don't, I don't believe in like being cheap with your, your people. You know, I think that uh, I've read stuff. It's, you know, look, if your top sales rep isn't the most highly paid person at your company, you're doing it wrong. Um, I won't be that arrogant. You know, I'm not the CEO and the people to make money, but also if you don't take good care of your salespeople, they're just going to bounce. So, you know, cause they have a lot of options. <laughs> Uh, Ledge, has this happened to you yet in your company? Like you'll go, you, you for how to sign our client and you're doing onboarding through everything and some just tells you, you know what, they're not gonna be a good match for us. They, they, you see they're not gonna do what you tell you, they're not gonna do what you want to do. They're still gonna do things a different way. It's almost like a waste of your time. How do you go about doing you no know, disqualifying? We try people? to we try to figure that out ahead of time. So we built um, a pretty robust kind of assessment, almost like a profile. Like, and I'll tell people before we talk, can you just fill this out? It's going to take you 15 minutes. And they answer yes, no, maybe on a bunch of stuff. They make some notes and we, we built a scoring mechanism to then go through that and kind of go, is this company in line? Um, And there's actually particular questions in there. Like if they say no to this, I don't think I can help them. And so the scoring will, will disproportionately knock them lower. And if they come out at a certain level, it's like, it's not worth it, man, because you're not going to be able to do this. And let me not waste your time. Don't waste mine. If somebody does come in and it's just wrong, you know, I would, my personal feeling would just, you know, like I I only want to take your money if I can add a tremendous amount of value to you, make you 10 X as much as you paid me. You know, I mean, I want to make you as much as possible. So we're all doing really, really well. Um, And if I feel I can't do that, then I would, yeah, I would just cut them loose and just, this isn't working. I had a client that it was wonderful. love working with them, but they just didn't have enough leads. You know, they didn't have their marketing together to justify building a sales team. And, and I went to them and I just said, you know, we gotta, we've got to cut this back. You know, it doesn't make sense because I'm taking your money every month, but you aren't providing me with any, um, any people that I can close business for you. 
and you've got to get your marketing done first. Do you need us to set you up with a relationship to get your marketing done? And uh, people will sometimes want to do that and sometimes not want to do that. And if they don't, well, you don't need a sales team because you don't have your marketing and product together yet. So I just, I just want to shoot it straight. You know, we don't want to take somebody's money unless we're making them money. Liz, so why do you focus on B2B tech companies? Why that in a second anything is something else? Um, a few reasons, you know, I, I come from a, a largely technology background. So, you know, it's sort of something I'm familiar with. Um, they tend to be companies that are very technology enabled on the business delivery side. So because we're a fully distributed remote team, I mean, this is how literally how I would do sales calls. Um, if you're not a company that's well accustomed to running everything in the cloud, maybe with distributed workforce, you know, a bunch of SaaS tools, um, we can't take on the burden of that change management to, to get you there. I mean, if you wanted to pay us, we could probably bring a team to do that for you. But um, what I find is a, team, a, a company that is B2B is services related and is technology related. We also tend to have the infrastructure necessary to run the kind of thing that, that we want to run. So it comes down to experience and it comes down to, you know, just the ability to execute the way that we want to. If, if you need someone who's going to meet with your clients face to face at a table doing stuff that isn't technology related, it's probably just, it's not going to work, you know? So, um, and B2B, has vastly higher average contract value. So if you wanted to sell a thing that, that was B2C, this probably isn't going to work. You're going to need a lot more automated because you're selling $10 widgets or, or whatever it is. Then you got to sell, you know, millions of those things. You, you don't put in the individual one-to-one -one time that you would with an average contract value of, you know, 15,000, 50,000, 100,000, well, that makes sense to pay somebody like us to get on the phone with them. It doesn't make sense in a small purchase. Lex, you're, you're in Nashville, correct? Yes, sir. So I've been learning there's actually like a pretty good vibrant tech startup scene in Nashville now, isn't it? There is. Yeah, it's, it's grown a lot. So I was heavily involved in that myself in the accelerator scene and the VCs and the different things uh, for a number of years. Then I kind of went on my own and um, so I'm not as hooked up now, but it's, uh, it's a very vibrant city, tremendous growth. There are a lot of places, um, similar to it, you know, so you hear a lot of chatter about, I don't know, you know, Boulder, Colorado or Austin or Pittsburgh. And like, there's a lot of up and coming Tampa has an up and coming scene. So, but yeah, Nashville's hot. It's, it's a really cool place. Ledge, what's your vision for your company? I think about that a lot, you know, so we're in bootstrap mode and, um, you know, we'd love to just continue to grow. I'd love to be helping, you know, at the same time, maybe 10 companies to, you know, really, really grow sales. Uh, people talk to you all the time when you have a company about, you know, don't you want to grow and don't you want to take funding and, you know, all this and having been in that, you know, 60, 70 hour a week startup, uh, everybody grind, you know, work, work all the time. I don't know. I have kids, man, you know, and I'm, I'm growing up and, uh, there, there is a, there's a siren song of the, you know, sort of lifestyle business. It's just, I just want to make good money doing what I'm, I'm doing. Uh, the, the paradox being that when you, when you do that and you probably just, you know, sort of let go of that idea of I'm going to be a billion dollar company, maybe that's in fact where that, 
uh, actually happens because, you know, just like I said with sales, like if I can get on the phone with you and not feel urgent and not care about this particular sale, I'm going to perform better. Maybe if I don't care so much about, <coughs> excuse me, about rapid growth, it'll happen because I actually love what I'm doing, you know? So, um, I don't know, you know, making some millions for other people and, uh, making some millions for us, you know, but <laughs> that's about, that's about as far as I made it now. So. Lich, I understand you have some, something for our listeners. Yeah. You know, if, if any of this stuff resonates with you and you're a, you know, you're a B2B, uh, technology services related type of company, SaaS, whatever it is, you know, uh, I'd be happy to do an offer, you know, for podcast listeners, you know, a 30 minute assessment. I'll get on the phone. I'll answer any questions you want or we'll get on video and, you know, we'll just hash through and, and I'll do some free consulting for you. If there's an opportunity that we can do some work together later, that's awesome. But I mean, it's really just a service and um, helps us get you know, the word out there. So happy to do a, a free 30 minute assessment for anybody that wants to book. You can go to add add numeral one z e r o dot co add one zero dot co and um, you know put your information in there. Say you heard it on the podcast. We're happy to do that. Lich, can you give us your um, social media links, both to yourself and your company, so people can reach out to you? Absolutely. So I said the, said the website. Uh, that's that's what we have for you know. So it's add one zero dot co. My personal stuff. You can reach my LinkedIn profile. It's David Ledgerwood, L-E-D-G-E-R-W-O-O-D.com. Actually, we'll redirect there. Uh, my primary social media is LinkedIn. I check it all the time. Um, thousands of connections on there. And you know, that's the place to reach me. I have Twitter, but I never check it. So don't go there. And uh, I'm a real simple guy that way. So I saw on the bottom of Jason Sima, he got 16,000 ways you can contact him. But uh, I, I'm, I'm not rolling that way anymore. So... <laughs> And for our listener, we'll have uh, his his offer and his social media on our show notes. And you can reach our, get our show notes at www.cavendishhrblog.com. And be sure to share the Cavendish HR podcast. Ledge, we're coming to the end of our talk. Can you provide us any wisdom or advice or any subject you want to talk about? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I could talk a lot. I don't know how much wisdom is in there. But, you know, I, I just think, um, man, get out there and get out there and sell and promote yourself. You know, just never forget that you, you know, people and that you can use your network and that people, people like you. And what you need to do is tell them what you're doing, tell them what you're interested in. And whether that's LinkedIn or, or email or whatever, like all of us have piles of contacts and people who care. You just make sure like, it's not selling, just tell people what you're doing and what you're looking for. Everybody knows somebody. And the worst thing you can do is sit around and wait for like an email or a lead to drop or a phone to ring. You know, just if you have free moments and you want to grow your business, tell somebody about your business. Les, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Jason, this is so fun, man. Thank you. You have very thoughtful questions. So I, you know, I want to, I want to do this again. I'm going to tell everybody about it. Thanks. And to our listeners, thank you for your time as well. Remember to be great every day. Also check out our weekly live streams at the Cabinets HR Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Periscope, where we focus each week on an HR topic important for small business. These are every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and last around three minutes. To join our weekly HR email newsletter list, send us an email to jasonkavnis at kavnishr.com. Thank you, and remember to be great every day. You've got to pump it up, don't you know, pump it up. You've got to pump it up.